Welcome to a special in-between episode of 90 Schmaltz, where two 90s guys do a belly flop on the shows we grew up watching, from after-school specials, TGI Friday, and Saturday morning cartoons. We talk about nostalgia, bad acting, and why these shows were radical. And this time around in this special episode, we talk about movies that may have showed up on TV at some point in time in the 90s. This was apparently a big HBO thing. It was very successful on HBO for some reason. Really? Yeah. That's what I was reading. It was a box office failure, but it found new life in, on home video and on HBO That's in fun. the 90s. I did not watch this, but before we get into that, um, if you like what you hear, please give us a rating wherever you listen to your podcast. And uh, you can find us at www.90schmaltz.cool. Yes. I'm Ned. And I'm Jeff. And Ned, you got anything new from the last podcast? Uh, I was hot today, and it made me I sad. I thought it was gorgeous outside. Well, what was, what was your temperature? I think it was like 86. Okay, I don't know. It's a record high for us here, so. But we had a really cool breeze. Like yesterday was technically cooler, but it felt hotter because yeah, it was, no, today just was really just stagnant. I got a delivery of a bunch of IKEA deck furniture, so I was out on the patio off and on all morning and it made me miserable well that but actually does sound miserable the back house of our half of our house cooks the back half of our house cooks all day that the sun is on it it starts shining on there like at eight and i think the sun doesn't leave it until six and it just cooks oh man and so it was hot Shouldn't enough on working? that deck to you know, get the hot asphalt feet going while i was out there working it's not a wood deck. It is. Oh, okay. That's how that's how much it cooks, though. Is... No, that's fair. Yeah. Just because you said asphalt feet, and I was like, oh, okay. But now you I, get that. I thought you, it was you know, a you deck. Get, you know when you get asphalt feet? Yes. And usually you don't get it from things that are made of wood. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, it might have felt worse. Yeah, I I should have gotten the tomorrow. I will get the laser thermometer out to see what the actual temperature is out there. Even if the air temperature is eighty something, what's the temperature sitting on my deck yeah because that sounds like it's gonna be pretty miserable in the summertime yeah we're getting an uh, umbrella there's an umbrella hole in the table oh okay and that'll take care of it hopefully <laughs> i um i don't really have anything going on either we it'll be good for still planters. have to figure the so. pool out since that's been a reoccurring theme in this podcast of ours are you opening um, it back should... up or are you just gonna Fill it with dirt. Well, we're going to open. I got sort of got some quotes from some people that work in pools and the general quote to fill the thing in correctly so it doesn't affect property value probably cost about ten to fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah. So um, I think what we'll probably do is we'll have somebody look at it. I'll just get the quotes and then I'll probably just reline it and get another two or three years out of it before I got to fill it in. Mm-hmm. Just start saving because that's just such a big chunk. I don't want to drain my savings in that manner yeah it's no fun but that's about it you could uh fill it with compost and make a great garden i could but then it's you can never do anything else with it yeah well what do you care i don't want to sell this place yeah so what do you want to rent after the fact oh okay yeah you don't want to and if you rent you don't want to have a pool there no not at all yeah you don't want, That's what I'm trying to convince you don't want Steph about. Tenants using a pool. The insurance, God. I don't miss Pup. owning a pool. Pup's doing good. Yeah. Yeah, she's starting to settle in, get a little lovable. She's still a giant monster, but yeah. it's better. That's good to hear. Mine's old. Yeah, she's getting old. She was born old. What are we talking about this week? Oh. Uh, our good friend Big. Big, Big bird, that is. Yeah. Ah, oh, a bird. We got 1985's Follow That Bird. Sesame Street presents Follow That Bird from 1985. Rated G. Rated G. Uh, it's so funny. Which, you put, you know, to, you put today on we're decade. talking on the document you put today we're talking about Follow That Bird, but it's in white font. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> when did i do that i don't know but i just highlighted <laughs> it and found it because <laughs> i compulsively highlight everything while i uh 
even a document or on a web page that makes it impossible for anyone else to use the page with me. Yeah, you are a, you were a mess with that. I'm a monster. I have no regrets. I'm used to it by now, though, since we're on what? This is like our 15th recording. Yeah, somewhere around that. Actually, it might be 16 because I think we have 14 normal I think episodes. We might be getting we have near two 20. Special. Well, if we're counting the 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 updates. <laughs> well, didn't we have to re-record something? We did somewhere in there. Yeah, so I think like overall we're anyway. We got a good VHS back here. Let me see it. Oh, nice. Family Circle says a movie the whole family can enjoy. Do we want to read all this? No, not really. I can't believe. Uh, Do you want me to starring... read? Starring. I'll read that first paragraph. All right. Follow that bird, big bird, of course, for an imaginative, magical, for kids of all ages treat, starring the cast of TV Sesame Street in their first movie. Jim Henson's beloved characters: Oscar, Bert, Ernie, Cookie Monster, and more. Plus, other members of the Sesame Street family join Big Bird in a big-hearted cross-country adventure. I think this is worth reading for the... uh... Will you do the second one? A meddling social worker sends poor Big Bird off to Ocean View, Illinois for the comforts of family life with his own kind, the Dodos. But Big Bird is a disaster as a Dodo, and lonely and homesick, he soon sets off on foot for Sesame Street. Can his old friends find him before he runs a foul of trouble en route? <laughs> That's F-O-W-L. Be on the lookout for Big Bird and Big Entertainment, featuring guest stars Chevy Chase, Sandra Bernhard, John Candy, Wailing Jennings, and more. Follow your heart as Sesame Street presents Follow That Bird. It's so funny that it talks about these guest stars so aggressively. They're in it for just barely anything. The two people that are in it the most seconds. aren't even on there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sandra Bernard is in one scene. John Candy gets one line, literally, right? Yeah, he picks up a kid, which I, I loved that scene. It was awesome. No, it was very funny. Uh, uh, Chevy's got Chevy the, the SNL reference. But, like, Joe Flannerty and Dave Thomas are in a huge portion of this. Yeah. And they're not even on there. But I guess they're in the They're in the starring. They're in the... Um, you know, that movie synopsis thing down below. The thing that what do you call that? The the billing? Where it's like it's like it's like the block of text that's like all the details of the movie in one little place. You know the what billing? I'm saying? Like is that billing? I think that would be billing. Yeah. Starring Jim Henson's Muppets. Okay, so they're Jim Henson, Frank Oz, Carol Spinney all get Yeah, I mean actual uh, top billing on that. Definitely. So that's good. Joe Flannerty, Waylon Jennings, Dave Thomas. Um, but I mean, there, there's other people in this. Yeah. But I don't know. The, I, you don't build the humans in Sesame Street, I guess, as much. No, not really. And I guess you're not going to build the voices for like the Dodos. But was Eddie Denzin really that popular at that point in time? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know when he got, uh, he hadn't played Mandark yet. So, but he's barely in this. So, yeah. I, I noticed, I mean, you'd notice the voice literally immediately. Yeah. Ha <laughs> <laughs> That's literally it. <laughs> it's me, Maurice Dodo, or whatever my name was. Uh, I wanted to find there was a did I? I don't think it, I closed it. What else could you be watching? If we're talking about a cinematic release, yeah. Then we. What you got, got for me? Oh, I've got some things here. Where was it? So it premiered the same day as Fright Night and Weird Science. Oh, that's and fun. And then Back to the Future, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, National Lampoon's European Vacation were all in theaters. And Gremlins, Ghostbusters, and E.T. the Extraterrestrial were in reissues at the time. Man, I definitely wouldn't have gone to see this, though. Um, I Against also those. wouldn't have gone to see this because I wasn't born until the year after. Yeah, that's true. That would have made it tough. I was barely alive. I wasn't going to go see a Big Bird movie. I think my first movie was uh, Land Before Time. No, it was Bambi. Oh. I was gonna, the it was same the difference. Three issue of Bambi in the, in the sad department. Yeah. Wow, I can't. I don't actually know the first movie I ever went to see. 
Yeah, no, I I do recall Land Before Time. Uh, I got an ear infection when we tried to go see Milo and Otis, so we got a refund. And this is all at the Merrifield Cinema, which is no longer around. It had to have been a Disney musical cartoon, but I I really don't recall. Huh. All right, who made this thing? Sesame Street. Sesame Street. Who's that? Well, it's Jim Henson, Sesame Street. Um, the film was produced by Tony Garrett. Let's see. Garnet. Garnet. You read this part. You read that stuff. I'll yeah. do the next stuff. So Tony Garnet is, a, about those is a British film producer who did a bunch of little stuff. And Earth Girls Are Easy is one of them that I found. Well, that's a little movie. Yeah. And uh, he said, a movie should never be... A, sh- a movie should never be about what it's about. So, this movie's about racism. But not really. That's what he said. It kind of is. It kind of is, but it's like not... In the Sesame Street kind of racism. Yeah. Though, that's not true because Sesame Street does tackle some very difficult topics. Yeah, this is this is not uh, this is not as heavy... For Sesame Street, this is fairly light fare, honestly. Uh, the film was directed by Ken Quapis, and Quapis is of office fame, if anybody. I mean, he was one of the primary directors. He also did, back in the day, during this period, what was it, Amazing Stories? Do you remember that one? Yeah. Yeah, he was the director for that TV series. That's Steven Spielberg's, what do you call it, anthology series. Yeah. I also saw he did two episodes of Yuri Indiana, which is... He did, and he 12 episodes of The Larry Sanders Show. Neat. And, uh, I mean, he just prolific television director. Yeah. Well, he made a couple movies, too. He he did. Um, what are you talking about? You're going to tell me you're not, you're, you didn't even want to mention Dunstan Check Sand? <laughs> One of the best movies tar- to star in Orangutan. He also made uh, Beautician and the Beast, which I remember liking. That was an HBO summer repeat that me and my sister liked at the time. Mm. Uh, as Fran Drescher and a Stalin-esque Eastern European dictator played by Tim Timothy Dalton, essentially doing the Sound of Music, that's kind fun. of thing. Like she's there to to uh, teach the kids and teach them joy, and then falls in love with the dad, kind of thing. Um, I think probably the two more popular movies that he directed would be he's just not that into you or like the sisterhood of the traveling pants yeah but i have no i have no opinions about those so i I don't either but (laughs) they are i think a little bit bigger of movies john landis was supposed to direct this but he was unable to schedule it i wonder if it would have felt more like a movie oh i don't know a television show for landis I'll, i'll tell you what i found some ken quapis stuff to talk about so Oh well, we're talking about them. Tell me about it. Well, no, it'll be about the it'll be about the production. Oh, the production itself. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense because uh-huh. there's a few things in there that do kind of stand stand out. Um, written by Judy Freudberg and Tony Geis, yeah, uh, who are both longtime Sesame Street writers, um, and they also work together on American Tale and Land Before Time. Yeah, it was hard to find what else they did when you look on IMDb because. Uh, they both get character credits for every Land Before Time movie. So there's like 28 or 30 credits there. Uh, and then they get credited for every single Sesame Street clip show reissue VHS. So they have 100-something credits, but most of them are just <laughs> from them writing for Sesame Street for 15 years and then making characters for Land Before Time. Yeah, I didn't know about that part. Yeah. You looking up Van Dyke Parks? Yeah, I did earlier, but now I can't remember what I read. Music is by Van Dyke Parks and Lenny Niehaus. Lenny Niehaus is a West Coast jazz guy, alto saxophone player. And Van Dyke Parks is... I don't know even what to talk about with him, because his Wikipedia article is uh, full of information. But he was somehow associated with the Beach Boys when they fell apart and broke up. Oh, interesting. He was somehow in that uh, area. He's a prodigious music producer yeah, all through a lot the, of production all through from 70s still i think going on now uh i had no idea who he never heard of him before but that was an interesting read and then special effects jim henson studio yeah 
I mean, we consider puppetry special effects, I would assume. Sure. These puppets, though, they... It's it's definitely 1985. No, they look great. They look good. They look great. Um, I don't know. What you, I don't know what you want. You want. You they're want a little disheveled. Some of them are, are dirty. Yeah, they're dirty. And... <laughs> Man, that's the because that's the thing. That's the whole thing about Sesame Street. I don't know if you've gone back and watched some of the really early episodes, but it's like it's clearly like. Uh, low. Uh, it's like a lower working class New York neighborhood, and so things are kind of like dirty. This is true, and so that's all the Muppets are dirty too because they live in the city. I mean, I love it. It's Sesame Street. How can you not love it? But I don't know. Just kind of the 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 way they're thrown together, like Snuffleupagus or, or I, right? Snuffleupagus is great. Yeah, he looks. Oh God. He's kind of scary looking. <laughs> yeah, he's great. I love him. He's great. And the fact that you said he had green eyes or like Oscar was orange. They Come made on, yeah, like... they they changed them all around, but but they're supposed um, to be dumpy. They they're all they're all dumpy. hairy and weird. It's like a bunch of monsters and and whatnot. They say that at the end. We got monsters. Yeah, yeah there's the monsters. That's like the one of the one of the divisions. Um and I mean the the film is starring the the Sesame Street crew. Carol Spinney, Jim Henson, Frank Oz, um, Jerry Nelson, trying to think of everybody. Paul Bartle. Nope. Paul Bartle. That's the Grouch Cook. Yeah, he's that's in the, the, he's, the he's also a comedy guy, yeah. Yeah, he's the comedy guy. <clears throat> he's he's in there like uh Sandra Bernard. Yep, the two of them together in that scene. But then you yeah, we have guest appearances, Paul Bartle, Sandra Barnhard, John Candy, Chevy Chase, Joe Flattery. Wylan Jennings, Dave Thomas, got some voices like Eddie Denzen. It's uh, Eddie Diesel. The story's good. I mean, the story flows great. Yeah, sort of. It's it. Uh, all right. So, all right. Let's jump into the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's all just right, let's jump right it. in. Well, no. So, for, so first, I want to say. Uh, so we got guest appearances from John Candy. Is it Joe Flattery? Jim Joe Flattery. Flattery. Yep. Uh Dave Thomas. Yes. And I just said uh, all the, of these. A names. lot of these people are SCTV people. They oh and yeah, that's right. And this is filmed in Canada. So you do have that in the notes. You wanted to bring that up. So that is why I think they have all these kind of guest people from randomly. And because I, they probably just asked people, Do you want to be in a Sesame Street movie? And they said, Yeah, all right. My kids will love it. I love the John Candy cameo essentially yeah so this is a it's a road movie they 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 take big bird they put him with a family the family sucks and then he's just like walking away the rest of the movie and that's the that's the entirety of it it is literally it they have a bird council um the feathered friends who need to place wayward birds in loving homes and just like any other road movie, it's essentially an excuse to do a, almost like a sketch collection. Yes. It's a series of vignettes uh, that are disconnected and have nothing to and do with each other. It starts with um, Oscar the Grouch doing a Patton reference. Yeah. Singing the Grouch anthem. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please rise for the Grouch anthem? With a grouch anthem, you stay sitting down, down in front there. Now brace yourself, I'm gonna sing. Grouches of the world unite. Stand up for your grouchly It's pretty great. It's There's probably a lot of my favorite part of the movie. He was not lying when he said, now that the best part of the movie's over, you can watch the rest of it. Well, I think the credits were the best part, but... We'll oh yeah, that. <laughs> that was good too. But there's a there's a bunch of references. I I don't think I got them all, but I don't know if you looked up where they were. I did not look up. The no, stuff. I didn't. Okay, yeah, maybe we can look them up as we go. I'll, I'll point them out as I see them. And so, so Big Bird gets moved in with the Dodos, and that's a fun prop. That birdhouse that they live in, their mid-century modern nightmare birdhouse. It it is a nightmare. Yeah, it's great. I love it. 
It's because it's the it's supposed to represent him. He's moving from like the vital city into the hellish 1950s suburbs. Uh, it's the exactly same kind what of nightmare. Like. So good. The same kind of nightmare you get in uh, Edward Scissorhands or something like that. And those dodos really just make it that much. They're worse. the worst. <laughs> so oh we go around God. the yard looking for worms. I've never seen any. <laughs> Or they're constantly like, oh, where are we going when they're driving home? Or Mm -hmm. uh, did we already go to the airport? Like, just the things that they do, it's just... Yeah, it's an unsafe environment, I would say. They're not prepared to be adoptive parents. And they go in to, like, say goodnight to him, and he's like, oh, I want cuddles, I want a kiss. And they just, like, pat him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So that uh... night he's like, I'm leaving. I, I think I knew somewhere in my head that Big Bird is supposed to be a, a six-year-old child. But I did not until this. <laughs> I did not remember that. And sometimes he does things that I'm just like, oh, that's right. He's supposed to be six. Yeah, he's a six, an eight-foot-tall six-year-old. Yeah. Which is very funny. And But the point is he's like he's kind of in the original idea of Sesame Street is that he's the child cipher. Mm-hmm. That he he is occupying the he was at, he would ask questions that the kids would want to ask, correct, and then interact with the adults in that way because that's like the famous episode where Mister Hooper dies and then he's the one who's asking the questions about death that a child would ask, so that they can explain it. Yeah, it works great in the television show. Yeah, this still has, I think this still has a lot of the earnestness of Sesame Street in that it's like not talking down to kids. Because you imagine a Sesame Street movie made now would be all Elmo, and it'd be cute, and it would be full of pop songs. Yeah, it would be. <clears throat> they wouldn't have Waylon Jennings at all. <laughs> so let's just get through the let's get to these notes. Yeah, let. Um, what did I say? See. We talked. We already did up to the dodos. Yeah, I like the uh, when they say Big Bird's name, and it's just one half of it and not the whole thing i feel like you should always say big bird yeah but i'm also a person who says people's first and last names as rebecca's pointed out to me or as uh and i didn't realize that i do it but i do i think i do that as well dependent upon the name if i like saying both names together i want to say that yeah i'll say jeff wait yeah you're gonna cut cut that that. (laughs) jeffrey Social security number. <laughs> uh, I do want to. Um, I guess we'll pause for a second. Yeah, your bird, your bird barking. Um, sorry about that. <clears throat> oh, that's fine. Let's see. I want to go in because I want to backtrack um, to when Miss Finch like convinces Big Bird to go live with the other bird family, and then they transition into that like real late seventies, early eighties cartoon. Yeah, that's fun. It looked that good. was that was awesome. I loved that animation. Yeah, when he's imagining living with other big birds. Yeah, they looked like a cute family, much better than those dodos. Because that, I think, out of everything, those dodo costumes, costumes, those dodo puppet costumes were awful. Oh yeah, and they were supposed to be. You're supposed to hate him. I mean, yeah. He's got I guess hair that coming out of his nostrils now. and his beak. Yeah, it was. Daddy it, dodo, it was he's gross. It was really gross. <laughs> that's probably the best way to say it is they really did look gross and then after that the cartoon i do have that snuffle is kind of an ugly puppet but no he he absolutely is and yeah he's supposed to be snuffle up i guess was the the deal with him was that he was big bird's imaginary friend and no one else could see him for a long time oh i did but not at some that. point they like he breached the reality barrier and entered they have that scene in here too, where he's imaginary, like mm-hmm. in his imagination, which is actually kind of a funny scene. Yeah, no, that was, that was great. And he he sounds so strange. I really like Snuffleupagus. Bird would be so proud of me. The thing that's fun about the Muppets, and the thing that's fun about a lot of Sesame Street characters, is that they're strange. They were designed. They're they very much are like a product of their time, and Jim Henson being kind of a weird guy. Yes. Big Bird sleeping is funny. Oh yeah, sitting up and doing, doing the, the thing, and then like me 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 me. It's like it's a cartoon, cartoon sleep. It got me every time. Oh, when Big Bird says goodbye to everybody. Uh huh. I know I'm kind of still backtracking, but Grover says they all keep saying, "Don't forget 
to do things. Mm-hmm. And then they get to Grover and he says, don't forget to breathe. Mm-hmm. And then he adds both in and out. <laughs> Grover is my favorite. Sesame I Street love character. that. <laughs> uh, Grover's an enthusiastic idiot. Yeah, he's pretty great. And he puts that, that night helmet on when yeah. he flies around. When he's Super Grover. I, I mean, fly. I'm a fan of Super Grover because, like I said before we started recording with the, the old yeah. MS-DOS well, game, Astro, Astro Grover. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm still... We're putting the little aliens in capsules. Really and fun. counting them. Really fond of him. Oh, I did... They So they take him on the plane ride, right? Yeah. And he can stick his beak through the window. Yeah. Um, But he's got the... He's got his bear. I never realized. So his bear's name is Radar. Is mm-hmm. that from MASH? That's highly significant. Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. I mean, that's the name of a character from MASH, but it's also the name of a of a, a system that is in many devices. It is, yes. yes. I didn't <laughs> so, know if maybe there was a MASH reference in there. I have no idea. Once I started realizing that there were like references from other movies and things, I was like, oh, is that? So I didn't know if he's always had the bear and it's always been called Radar or not. I had the question when looking at Big Bird is that uh, I'm trying to figure out what kind of beak does he have? You know, birds have different beaks. So what kind, what kind of beak does Big Bird have? Uh, while you're looking at that, I do want to say when they're in the plane as well, they fly over the map of the U.S. to where he's going in Illinois. And you can see Frackville in Pennsylvania on the map. Yeah. I've been to Frackville multiple times. Oh yeah, because when I taught DCA, that is we used the school there for rehearsals. That's funny. Yeah, I like that they had the map with just kind of loser town names, like the worst towns. It was awesome. And I it, did. It didn't have any of the major towns; just a bunch of little backwaters. Yeah, there's a lot of fun little things in this movie. Yeah, so then I get it, I've got all my dodo notes that we mostly covered. Well, I can't find so there's there's a bird with a bigger lower lip for surface skimming, but there's nothing with a smaller lower lip like Big Bird. So I don't know what he's supposed to eat. Maybe trash, I, I guess. Big Bird is a, is one a of giant a kind. city bird. Maybe he eats kids. Maybe that's why he lives on Sesame Street. Uh, so he just leaves the dodos and then. He gets just the news up and report. leaves. <laughs> huh? He just up and leaves. Yeah, just up and leaves. And it's on the news immediately. National news. The Chevy, with our Chevy Chase. Yeah. Uh, who references Mr. Rogers in his statement. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously like a SNL skit uh, weekend update type thing. Yeah. Because he approaches it that way, too. He, um... This news just in concerning a six-year-old runaway. The runaway is an eight-foot yellow bird who answers to the name... Big Bird. Did you say Big Bird? It doesn't hold up as much as it kind of might have multiple years No, he's ago. really kind of, uh, he just kind of says it. Yeah, he... And then and then if you don't have positive feelings about Chevy Chase, it's not that delightful. No, it, it is not, because there's nothing happening. Yeah. There's no charm. Yeah, a there's lot no of, nothing for that. A lot of him, his stuff is, uh, unfortunately, trended that way, but... It really has. I, yeah. I have a harder time watching some of the older stuff. Yeah. The inherent funny fun is from the charm, but once you know the secret, unfortunately, the magic is lost. Yeah, we get the note he left, and we get Kermit the Frog as yeah. the on. Kermit the, the Frog is a reporter. Ground. I never knew. Yeah, I didn't know either. And here is the family that he left. Uh, the Dodo. Are we on television? Holy cow! Uh, uh, yes, you are. I never thought I'd make it. We finally hit the big time. Let's go inside and watch. Uh, now, who'd run away from a family like that? And all I do is say is he says he's going back to Sesame Street. Oh, yeah, Chevy says that. Yeah. Which is funny. It's funny. I like that Kermit just makes fun of the dodos at, towards the end of the, yeah. his little thing. And then He's he very used... classic Kermit the Frog where he's very sassy. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, added sarcasm in yeah. the way he talks. Uh, what then? We get the bad guys. We get to see the bad guys for a hot second. Yeah, do we the see him right away? Brothers, fun fair. Yeah, the it's the like, villains of the movie, the there are two antagonists. There's the adoption lady, Miss Finch, who's trying to get Big Bird back and take it back to his new family. Yes. And then there's the Sleaze brothers who are running a carnival and need to 
Uh, they need something to make more money. And they're the only people who run that carnival, apparently. Yeah, they, but then they're shaking down a, a, a like eight-year-old black kid at the beginning. <laughs> they get they got him up at the top of the car of the Ferris wheel, and he says, "Get me down." And they're like, "It's another nickel to get down." And then they eat his apple out of his lunchbox. That poor kid. Yeah, they're really. Uh, uh, but we'll get back to that. That that pays off. And then we get our first song because Big Bird takes the turkey truck. Yeah, there's so many songs, but this one is with Waylon Jennings. So, yeah, this is the best one. He sounds good. Listen to me, son. I found out a long time ago. You gotta learn to say yes when life says no. Well, no, the best one is Oscar, but this is the second best song. Yeah. They're singing about the list of uh, all the they're songs singing about roads that. that aren't too long and uh, and and mountains that aren't too high. And then after they sing their song, Waylon Jennings just lets the six year old child out of his car at an nondescript crossroads without even telling him which way he should go, and then drives right, the off. Perver- the, the proverbial crossroads. Yeah. Uh, the song's called "Ain't No Road Too Long." By the uh, way. By the petting. I thought it was very funny that he just lets this kid out and says, "All right, see ya." Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking the turkeys back to my turkey farm. And you, oh, you like, you, obviously, this kid does not know where he's going. You wouldn't even be like, New York's that way. And if anybody who doesn't know who uh, Waylon Jennings is, I guess he does the Dukes of Hazard title song. So, you know, you can go search that out uh, if you want a TV reference there. When I saw him, I was like, this is definitely a guy. I don't know who it is. But uh, he, then yeah, he's got up. a face that you're like, I've seen that guy before. Well, you're like, this guy wouldn't be in a movie if he wasn't good at something else. Well, and, you know, he's like the only person who can actually sing because every other song, they just let the actual actor sing yeah. through it, which I appreciate a lot in these older movies yeah. where the actors legitimately sing and they're like, yeah, yeah you, you got this. It, it'll be fine. <laughs> well, it's not, and I mean, I don't think overproduction and all that is any better. So, No, and I've seen worse stage productions, so... And so once everyone in Sesame Street knows that Big Bird is walking home, they decide they're going to go and intercept him and help him get back. And so they they sit down in the in the general store and they come up with the the game plan. They they're going to split up into I think it's was it it's three cars and two planes and two flyers because Super Grover is flying by himself. Yeah, but Super Grover is not part of their plan. Oh yeah, he's just doing it on his own. Yeah, he does it on his own. Because Bert and Ernie are in the the plane. They're in a biplane. Um, there's a have... there's a VW Bug with three humans. The main with three humans, two humans and, and, and three puppets, in Cookie Monsters in there. Yeah. No, no, you're talking. So the the bug is three humans and Cookie Monster in the VW yellow VW Beetle, and then there's the Grouch car. Oh yes, is, that's right. Which is Honker, Telly, uh, a human, and Oscar the Grouch driving the Jalopy. Right. And then there's Count. The Count is just driving around in his own incredibly awesome uh, classic luxury car with yeah, bat wings. I said and, that. I was like, why is he by himself? <laughs> and then the license plate says 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. It's, oh, it's I did, exceptionally I long. That. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's just in there like for that, for two jokes, and that's it. Uh, and then the, the, and then that's it. Just that is it. I do like the VW and Cookie bug. Monster is continually eating that VW. Yeah, beetle. every scene there's a piece of car missing, uh-huh. and I think that is that's commitment. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's a gag that I appreciate, especially when it's we a get good to gag. the end. But uh, back to the crossroad, like the proverbial crossroad where he leaves them off, and he Big Bird sees the no through road and is like, "That's the way I should go." Yeah, I don't know why I thought that, but he's a six year old, so. He's a kid. But at least he gets to hang out with two cool kids on yeah. the farm. I'm going to say, he's a kid. Kids are stupid. Yeah, pretty much. I think that's a Home Alone line. I don't know if we'll be able to find that. But So there's two kids on the farm. Uh, I just found a fact about the the little girl is Allison Court, who had a real career and still has a real oh, yeah? career. Uh, a fascinating there's a lot of fascinating stuff in here so uh the first one is that she is the main character from the big comfy couch 
you know the big comfy couch? It's a Canadian kids TV show. I think I with like a I she dresses like it. a doll. Yeah. Yeah. So that's her. Oh neat. And this is like one of her first roles. Uh she's Canadian. It's it's a Canadian. Big comfy couch is a Canadian. This is how they kept the budget down. They Educational did this show. in Canada with these. They probably it was people. probably one of those tax credit Canadian films. Oh yeah, I could see that. Especially that'd, that'd be my guess. Period. Um for reasons that we'll go into. But so uh so Allison Court has done a ton of voice work. Uh, a lot of video games. She is Claire Redfield in Resident Evil 2. Oh neat. She did some Capcom stuff and at some point ended up as a in addition to voice directing, she did like voice like localization management and apparently is responsible for an infamous decision to rename all the bosses in Mega Man X5 after Guns N' Roses songs. No way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, strange, interesting, and she's been, she's tons of little stuff. And one that, uh, that dovetails nicely with something we talked about before. She's in the Ultra Force cartoon, which is Nightman's comic book. Wow. Uh, Force. So how about that? Yeah, she's got a ton of stuff in here. Yeah. Good well, for her. You, yeah, when you do uh, excess voice work, you, you can find a lot. So that they was interesting. Sing. I I was surprised to find out that she was really someone. <laughs> I'm not. You know what? For a lot of those child actors, though, in some of these early Sesame Street now, she did stuff, pretty good. like Disney stuff, they do end up doing something after the fact. There was an interesting thing I found. Uh, Not always drugs. There's an interesting thing I found that I haven't gone back to look at the footage, but I found... No, maybe we should save this for a fun fact. All right, save it. All right. I love this pot, these special episode podcasts where we can just be all over the place. Yeah. Um, the song they sing, uh, Big Bird, the kids, and a few other characters, they sing the... It's a nice, easy no, no, going no. day. No, I was going to say, I missed the Lonely Star. I do have notes for that, because it's that weird, like, stage light that they have oh, all yeah. the way off on and they're stage all singing, right or whatever. Uh, you know, over each other. It's, it's a cute those, song, It's actually. one of those far away, it is exactly singing each other song. Which I wonder, considering, you know, we have American Tale, and then we have this song. Potentially. Yeah. The uh, the Grouch Food Diner scene Yeah, I was going to say, great. so the... All three, all the cars get into various troubles. They all just kind of go do things. But the Grouch car is off doing its own thing. Because Oscar the Grouch is a real jerk uh, who doesn't yeah, care about Big Bird being gone. Uh, he's he's on his own they're, they're, like, they're like, we should go look for Big Bird. And he's like, I want to drive to the dump. And then to the Grouch Diner. Which is, uh, what, the, it's called Bad Eats. That when they get there, though, he says to the like she the human complains uh-huh. that they're going there, and he says, "Hey, I didn't complain when we ate at Friendlies, and all I could think of yeah. is there a difference between these two places." That's yeah, funny, but oh God, what it's called? I forget what it's called. It's but it's bad eats, but it's just one of those. It's just covered in uh, go away signs and uh, don't eat here. Correct. Uh, like one of the things is like go a, away. It's really funny. It's it's uh, such a good it's such a good gag. I've never been to one of those restaurants where they're mean to you on purpose, <laughs> uh, but it's that same delight of of like committing to a bit. They have like a soup, like it's a, a a savory soup, and apparently they add maraschino cherries was one of the options. But they do have another one, which I'm going to read this to you, and it doesn't sound that bad. Ham with donuts and applesauce. Yeah, I would give it a try. I mean, is it all mixed together, though? Like, did it come out of the trash? That's the question with all this stuff. But, yeah. And that's where you get Sandra Bernard as a a sassy waitress and Paul Bartel as the... A guy you barely even see. He's just... Yeah, he's just He's he's loading up the lettuce because she orders... The human orders the tossed salad. And then so they start uh, catapulting lettuce at her. And then the whole restaurant turns into a lettuce fight. And, that's the and then whole the scene. two other puppets like look in the window and say, oh, "I should have come. Should have went in there. That it looks, looks pretty good." <laughs> uh, yeah, Telly's funny. Let's see. And then we get that water prep song where Big Bird they they're like putting they're using the water pump, and he uses the water pump and it doesn't work correctly, which is a very weird transitional gag. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I, I'm not really sure I, I, I can appreciate that one. Um, and then they sing that Easy Going Day song by uh, Jeff Penning. Yeah. Uh, the same people who wrote Ain't No Road Too Long. But um, it's a fine little song. Yeah, all the songs Carol are... Carol Spinney actually does. Fine. I think that's his best one yeah. out of the ones he sings. Well, uh, unless I'll give it to him, the I'm So Blue, when he's all blue. But we'll get to that one. You know the other voice that Carol Spinney does for this? I do not. Oscar the Grouch. Oh, he does do Grouch. Yeah, so because I'm I'm surprised because that's it. I hear it a little bit now that I think about it, but I wouldn't put those two voices together. No, I really wouldn't. I did. I actually did not know that. Yeah, um, I'd say all these all those original puppeteer voice people are ridiculously talented. Frank Oz. Oh yeah, I yeah. love that because they do. What is he's it? Like, get he's like the... he's one of the last ones left of the originals. He is. We have the um, the plane where they have the uh, here's another the next reference that I noticed the North by Northwest plane yeah uh, zoom scene because Big Bird does the same duck it's it it's you know like, yeah right there he does the same duck and everything and then we have Ernie's uh, like I'm gonna strafe him <laughs> <like>, yeah basically <laughs> and we have uh, Kermit and Fozzie I mean Bert and Ernie um, singing their upside down world song yeah. and that's. I- I found that a fun, is a fun one. A fun fact that Frank Oz and Jim Henson were actually in a plane. In a were they really? Doing puppetry, yeah. Oh, wow. Incredible. They are just, they were, well, Jim Henson was a gem and Frank yeah. Oz, I don't know. They're something you know. else. Um, that it's a fun song though, and then I like at the end when um, Ernie blames Bert for the fact that they lost Big Bird. He's like, "You lost him," and he's like, "What do you mean I lost him? Yeah, while you were singing, you stopped paying attention." Yeah, Ernie's funny. Ernie and Bert are uh, exactly like SpongeBob and Squidward. Yeah, they I mean, really are. The mo- now that I'm older, I I'm I I think Ernie Ernie's a villain. <laughs> he needs to be stopped. <laughs> He kind of is, yeah. And Poor you know Bert. I forget kind of actually how they are. This reminded me of their actual relationship because you know nowadays you just get that people put spins on it. They make yeah. it dark or yeah. gay as possible and yeah. things like that. And you're like, this is just like Ernie really is a terrible person to Bert. <laughs> He's so put upon. <laughs> Poor Bert. <laughs> uh, that's the that's always the fun thing is that this. There's a lot of shows like this, but it's like when you're a kid, you think SpongeBob is funny and Squidward is boring. But as an adult, you're like, Squidward's a saint to put yeah, up with <laughs> the things that he does. Squidward would be justified in, in you know, murder, grievous bodily harm at this point. I just want to be left alone. Where do we go next? We go to Toadstool, right? Yeah, he Which escapes, is a made-up well, town he, he in He escapes Indiana. in his, uh, he hides in a hay stack and then escapes. Oh yeah, that right. really. So the the villains the are driving with a giant net out, and they um, they're looking for the bird. Sid, the the dumber one, sees the haystack. He's like, "Oh hey, haystack! It's literally moving. Yeah. You can see the feet." But the other guys like, "No, we're, we're looking not for, looking for haystacks. Yeah, we're looking for a bird, <laughs> an eight foot tall bird. <laughs> they all know how tall he is, which is funny." I, mean, I love the fact that Miss Finch goes into that hayfield, looks for what is that like, eleven seconds, and like, well, I can't find him. I'm yeah. leaving. She's not a she's not a really credible threat throughout this movie. No, she she's a silver spoon. I really bird. like how uh, how surprised Big Bird. It's the it it shows the depth of like the puppetry skill that uh, he's able to make this bird go like confused and then like surprised and scared in there the course of like a, of a detail to his like a especially like every time he sees miss finch he's doing it's it's uh i found it delightful because it's it is a lot of uh, what do you call it it's a lot of emoting for it, it's for like the old school a big Kermit. tall Weird bird. Where he would just, the way he would fold his hand could yeah. just change so much in it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the more modern stuff, it's, it's. I mean, you obviously, they have a little more uh, flexibility because they can do more with the puppets than they used to. But 
just that the puppetry in this stuff is quite quite yeah, impressive. The, the big rear costume is really fun. That it's a guy and his hand up, and then the there's the fake you know stapled on arm that he can still kind of move with his hip, yeah, to, to hide it. Because even when you're looking and, for it, it's it's not obvious that the one hand never does anything. No, it is not. And the way that he comes out and has a hand sometimes though is a little weird. Yeah, in the left side. Yeah. Uh, there is a marching band in this, and all I could think of is how bad the feet were phasing. Well, I mean, they weren't marching in time with the music at all, because it <laughs> it's a movie. It's not their fault that uh, they made them play something different than they played. Or they weren't playing anything at all. It's a fun little town uh, yeah, Main street, parade thing. Main Street, it's, they're having the Mushroom Parade in Toadstool, Indiana or Ohio. Indiana, yeah, the fake city. Yeah. I like the mushroom costumes for that a lot. No, they were great. But it's all they have though is the mushroom costumes, the marching band, and then the other acts were uh the count in his cool car. Yeah. And that's it. That's a parade. That's a small town parade. <laughs> I mean the count was it's awesome. That that car is so cool. <laughs> and it, he doesn't even do anything, he just backs up once. He goes up to the parade and then backs up. Yeah, he he his biggest scene is the credit scene. Yeah, that's the only time. Well he's uh, does he count something at the? No, no, he counts uh, when they're trying to open the cage. Yes, and he counts the um, the poles, the telephone poles when he's driving. And so when Big Bird escapes from Toadstool, that's when he runs into the fun park and says, "Please hide me. I'm trying to hide from the lady." And they're like, "Oh boy, you can hide in our safety cage." Yeah. And then they're just using him as a sideshow, and he's and they. Uh, they realized the eight foot tall yellow bird that's been all over the news would be too hot, so they paint him blue and are selling him as the blue bird of happiness. And then he sings a really sad song, really sad. And, and all there's the all these kids in the audience are so children. Sad. <laughs> uh, he sings "I'm So Blue" by Randy Sharp. Uh huh. been dreaming of a rainbow I can follow to that old familiar place I long to see and then and it's and good the, he does I mean Carol Spinney does this is definitely his best song yeah uh, and then as the, I was saying earlier and then the uh to the same tune the Dave Thomas in the back is Saying like I'm a rich man, <laughs> getting richer. I love money, and I thought that was very funny. And Joe Flannery uh, said he has the Rocky Horror reference. Um, he's like crying on the uh, mm. on the spotlight. Got it. That's the other one that I noticed. <laughs> I feel like I missed one, but I guess not. One what song? No, one of the references. Oh yeah, I mean, don't feel bad about. It. I thought it was cool. There's quite a few. So, and then I picked them out, but I don't know if I got all of them. I didn't want to look them up this way. If anybody actually listens to this and tells me I'm an idiot, then I'll know about it. You're just reading into things that don't exist. Um, then after the, after a song, Rocky, I have, uh, the, uh, there's that scene where they're, um, driving to, to chase him down. Cause he escapes. Yeah, well, so there's a there's two 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 of the sad kids come in. And they're like, "Why are you so sad?" And then he says, "Tell call Sesame Street and tell them I'm here." And then that's when they they get in, they break in, and they steal the keys. Yeah, and they're trying to open up the cage, and uh, Big Bird keeps talking loudly, which eventually wakes up uh, the two sleeping bad guys, and the count is counting uh, enthusiastically counting each key that gets put in on the key ring and he's like two keys left oh and then they get to one key left and then uh and they put it in there and then the car with that the cage is on drives off yes and you get the exciting uh last scene of the vw bug that is barely uh still a car yeah you can see all the chunk yeah that's exactly what they're like jumping into the fortunately it's a front trunk right on that it's not the engine yes. because it's the front so they but they the one human gets out and is saying, jump, you know, jump over 
disappear because the cage falls open while they're driving. And he's telling him Well, to they jump unlocked over. it before they drove yeah. away. But so he's trying to get Big Bird to jump from car to car. And <laughs> Big, God bless Big him, Bird's they like, do oh, it. Oh, it's, it's unlocked. It's unlocked. And he starts telling them up front. He's like, why am I telling them? Well, why am I telling them? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, no. The, the doors are open. Oh, boy. Hey, fellas, these doors came open. What am I telling them for? That's funny. But yeah, and he the jumps God, out. And God and bless them. They jump, they jump from car to car in a stunt in a Big Bird suit. They do, and then it immediately cuts to him back at Sesame Street. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they the don't bird bring lady the car comes back. And says, "Shouldn't you be with birds?" And he says, "And they say, look, there's so many different kinds of people on Sesame Street." And I was, it was interesting too because you think about what Sesame Street is now and has been for a really long time. Is that isn't it great to just like see Elmo once, and that's it? Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, we did miss uh, that, which is my fault because it's the John Candy part. Like it cuts back to Big Bird, but That's then the it very cuts end, again to John. Can- no, that happens before the uh, Bird Lady does her thing. Oh, okay, because um, John Candy comes. He's in a, his motorcycle as his cop. Mm-hmm. He walks up with the little black kid. Well, he's a he's a motorcycle cop and he's got a sidecar. Yes, and he goes. Um, what? I think he just is says, it, is, "Is this it, them?" Yeah, is is are these the guys? And he, but he picks the kid up by like the back of his uh-huh. shirt, <laughs> and then throws him down, and, and then that's the, and like it's the, the kid. End of that. It's the kid who they shook down at the beginning of the movie with the Ferris Correct. wheel and apple, and so they get they get taken away. These the two men. Uh, what seems to be the problem, officer? What's the charge? What about counterfeiting, extortion, fraud, impersonating a dentist? Stealing an apple from a kid. And then we cut back to the big bird thing. And the narcissistic uh, bird lady is excited that she found a big bird at home. Yeah, despite not doing anything. And then the car literally falling apart gets rolled back in. Because they ask, what was it? They ask the one human where the other two people are that went. Mm -hmm. And like, oh, they had car trouble. Mm -hmm. And then they roll it in. And it's that's literally where it ends. It's pretty great. And then uh, my favorite bit in the movie is when the credits start, then the count begins to count enthusiastically all the credits he's that are happening. He's so excited about it. And he's having fun. And then so, and he counts like the first eight or something like that. And uh, and then they go through and then God bless him. There's a credit scene. There's a post credit scene of the count saying there's 279 credits or something like that. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, great. Good. Good bit. That is 278 incredible, colossal credits. <laughs> I love motion pictures. Sesame Street did it first. Yeah. Well, Ferris Bueller did it first, right? I don't know what the first one is, but Ferris Bueller's the first one I remember. Where he comes out, he comes out in a bathrobe and he's like, "What are you still doing here? Go. Yes. Go home." That is the same year, though, isn't it? 84 is Ferris Bueller, I think. No, 86. Is it? So Sesame Street did it first. All right, let's 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 actually look it up. First post-credit scene. Silencers from 1966. Oh, that's cool. What's that movie about? The scene depicts lead character Matt Helm, played by Dean Martin, lying shirtless on what appears to be a rotating surface along with sofa along with lying... Sh- the scene depicts lead character Matt Helm, played by Dean Martin, lying shirtless on what appears to be a rotating sofa along with ten scantily clad women. He kisses two women before rubbing his face and muttering, oh my god. During the scene, Beautiful. text overlays read, coming up next, Matt Helm meets Lovey, craves it. Perfect. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Did I watch the silencers? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely do not know that movie. No, I didn't. Um... I watched a Dean Martin spy movie and it was uh, fucking terrible, but fascinatingly so. Uh, I have to know what this was. Um, oh man, the silencers. This looks rough. Maybe this is it. I kind of want to watch this. Does this have. Oh no, yeah, this is absolutely it. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You should watch this. You should watch the silencers. It's. Is it on the server? Uh... No, but I think it's on Tubi. 
Oh, then I won't bother putting it on the thing. I'll no, you it. should put it on there because I... <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so so I, I watched this and it is... um, It's wildly stupid and low budget, but it's just fascinating. It's like the sets are great. Um, but there's one point where he's getting about to get shot by a laser, and I think it's just like a cellophane tube that they're with a little red light behind it that they're like extending towards him and trying to poke him with. Oh my god, it's, that's awesome! Uh, it's embarrassing. I I will admit I stopped paying attention st- about halfway through. In um, this trailer that I'm watching right now, he just keeps ripping clothes off of women. Yeah, uh, that happened a lot in this. Yeah, literally, nearly every scene here. I'm gonna watch this. It's it was really really stupid. So I'm um, I'm glad to see that I so yeah yeah that explains the uh, <laughs> yeah 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 because yeah, that the I think the the movie starts and he's on uh, some sort of rotating bed and the bed like rotates and then starts lifting up to dump him into like a bubbly bathtub pool and his uh like naked secretary is already there writing down things for him. Oh my god. All right, before we get too yeah. into the silencers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are your feelings about Fall That Bird? I I liked it. Uh, it's it's a little boring. <laughs> I will say it's boring, but I, it's an inoffensive kids movie. 100%. It is kind of one of those things where you could I don't find it annoying at all. Even today, I think you could show it to like a six, seven year old, and I think they might be able to follow it a little bit. But I, I like, I like the general story. It feels like the good, you know, on the road story. But there's some really weird inconsistencies with the way it's filmed and how the scenes are done. It feels yeah, it's a, more it's a like a television movie. show. It's a road movie, so there. Uh, it does, but they're it, I don't even think there, there's, you know, in a lot of these road movies, you can feel the difference between like the sets, the vignettes where like this happens in this area and then things feel different in the next set. Yeah. In this, it literally just feels like a bunch of normal cuts and some of the things don't make any sense. Like there's that one section where we just watch Big Bird's feet, right? To show that he's getting tired. Obviously, we know that you did that because you didn't want to like go down the road away, but you could have feasibly showed us all of Big Bird, had him walk, what, for four seconds, got in the car, drove five miles down the road, done the next five seconds, and did exactly the same thing. I think it was fine. I have no problems with that. Yeah, no. It, just, it feels like a television show. It doesn't feel like a movie. So I'll say, uh, the, the thing I was mentioning before with Ken... Ken Quapis. Yes. So he said it was incredibly. So we don't know the budget. It, the budget is unknown, but it's supposed to not be much. And they just didn't care about it at all to the point where I think he paid for a test screening out of his own pocket because they just didn't care enough to even do that. Oh, well, good for uh, you. Ken. And then, and then their promo campaign was like, Hey, was it's the first Sesame Street movie ever? That was the tagline. Like, how's that? <laughs> who's that going to sell anything to? <laughs> uh, and they released it in August, early August, when people are on vacation and it's like summer movie season. Yeah, it's a rough time to be re- releasing a movie. I like think that. back then, summer blockbuster wasn't as big a thing. No, it was. It was. It was. I think yet. summer. I think summer used to be where you release things to die. I still don't. I wouldn't would not be going to see this movie. But it grossed thirteen point nine million on an unknown budget, but I I believe Children's Television Workshop lost money on this. Which I find they had a they had a tough time odd. in the eighties. They made thirteen point nine million dollars. How There's like a lot this of people movie in this feels movie. like Yeah, but come, I mean the most expensive person had to have been Chevy Chase at this point. This is the kind of thing that hey we're we're making a Sesame Street movie. Can we count on you um, to try to sell some tickets? And they're like, all right, you know, they still take a reduced pay just because it's Sesame Street. Though, I mean, the amount of drugs that Chevy was probably taking, I, I can't imagine that he did that. Um, you can find it. I guess I can just skip into where is it streaming. Uh, you can watch it with ads on YouTube. Oh yeah, great. Yeah, 
the uh, anywhere else you'll have to pay for it. Yeah. Uh, there's no uh, toys, toys specific for it's this. It's Sesame Street. Yeah, there are toys, but not for this movie. But <laughs> um, And then right into those additional fun facts that you All want right, to give so us. So I got, I got one more. So the foot when he's on the farm with the kids, apparently something happened to the film. It was unusable. So they had to return to the same location months later in winter. And they had to spray paint the leaves green. <laughs> No way! I want to go back and look at that. The kids, the kids would run to put their coats on. That's awesome. So, are you looking at it now? I'm trying to find it right now. It's but not going to be like the entire is. thing, but it's going to be parts of it. It uh, very slow to download when you backtrack. Yeah. We I, we may just skip it because I don't want to wait for it. I do want to look for that, but yeah, it's interesting. We don't need to do it on camera. What would you rate this out of fifteen? I'm going to give it an 11. An 11? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a 10. I'm thinking of it as, if I, I think we like this way with a kid's movie. It's, it's a kid's movie that if it was on repeatedly, it wouldn't be annoying. Yeah, I'm still It's not it shrill or uh, like aggressive. Usually there's it's like relaxing. A, good, a good musical number or something that would tie me in and to give it a higher rating. I'd be like, yeah, I really like that. And yeah. nothing catches me. I mean, I, I appreciate the patent reference, but I also don't really care that much. Reasonable. And then, I mean, our proverbial, is it nastier than Wolf Bronski? Uh, ain't nothing nastier than Wolf Bronski. I believe it. No. Yeah, not, not even nothing close in this Sesame is... Street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, old... It was perfectly acceptable. If you have a kid in the age bracket for Sesame Street, watch it. It's not terrible. See what they think. Yeah, you can let us know what what your nephew and niece think of it. Watch it again. I'll try it. I'll I'll see. Yeah. (laughs) We got a... They they just watched the Mario movie, so now they want to play Mario. But then, oh yeah, I, ha- then I, I actually have a Super Nintendo, and they were. Mary made a good. He made the. He made a good little effort of it, but. Mm. Yes, I have a story was, for you off podcast. To... Okay. About Mario movie, I'll tell you about that. Yes, he was not able to. She has difficulty with multiple controls at the same time. Yeah, I mean that's hard at the beginning. Yeah. Well, I keep trying. I'm like press more than one button at once. <laughs> try that. She'll... Try something. She'll get it as she gets older. Yeah, they're gonna take. They're gonna borrow my Super Nintendo over the summer break. To oh, nice. And my sister said she's she'll give her a, a crash course. It'll be you know school of hard knocks <laughs> for playing controller games. Well, all right. Anything all right. Else? No, that's all I got. That's all I got too. I, I'm glad we did this though. This was actually quite a fun thing to talk about. Yeah. It was more interesting than I thought it would be. So. <laughs> no, I thought it would be reasonably interesting. But. It was better than Babes in Toyland. Yeah, I know. I, for sure. Ooh, <laughs> TV movies, man. Speaking of TV movies, I just watched Duel with Steven Spielberg's first TV movie. Any good? Where a guy gets uh, attacked by an evil trucker. What are we considering a TV movie these days, right? With all the streaming movies and everything? Yeah, well, it was it was a TV movie because it was from 1971. But oh, okay. They uh, they edited it, added new scenes to uh, release it as a full motion picture. But I think those added scenes make the movie worse. So if you can find That's the right. original TV edit of Duel. But overall, the Duel's good. I recommend it. That's Steven Spielberg. He's going places. Yeah, I think he'll do all right. Until he gets into the the mid twenty teens, and then some of his stuff isn't very good. Anymore. No, yeah, I mean I'm not. Let's not talk about Ready Player One. But <laughs> all right, that's the end. That's it. Goodbye. We'll see you next time. Wait, wait, wait! Don't leave yet. My favorite part of the picture is starting. The credits. Oh, I love to count credits. Ah, ah, ah. One. Directed by, that's one credit, ah, ah, ah. One written by, that's two credits. One produced by, that's three credits. 
one director of photography. That's four credits. Ah, one art director. That's five fabulous credits. One associate producer. Somebody must associate with the producer. Ah, 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 I love it. Ah, ah, that's six credits. Ah, one supervising film editor. That's seven stupefying credits. One music score by, that's eight credits. One music supervised by, nine credits. Ha. One John Gates Goonie. Hi, Mom. That's ten, ten fantastic credits and still counting. I love it. Ah, ah, ah.